the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Nobody enjoys discipline. Yet to those who have been trained by it, to those who experience it, as God deals with us, afterwards, watch this, afterwards it yields, he says, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's the fruit of repentance. It's what the Bible is referring to. It's what Paul's referring to. It's what John the Baptist was referring to. It's the fruit of repentance. So, so very important. There are a lot of experiences in life where the process is difficult, but the result is worth the trouble. Everybody wants to reach their ideal weight, but nobody really gets thrilled about exercise and diets. If you want to reach the goal, you have to go through the process. Repentance is that way. Repentance isn't the goal, but it is the process. The goal of forgiveness is worth the trouble we go through in repentance. I hope you have been following this series as Pastor Steve Kreloff has been preaching on the comfort that God gives to those who are depressed. He's been talking about godly sorrow and repentance from the book of 2 Corinthians. If you have missed the messages that have already been aired, you can find them at our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you go to the website, you can listen to them, download them, or you can order the whole series. We're so glad to be able to bring this teaching to you. Please pray for the Verse by Verse radio ministry. I'm sure you're going to be blessed by today's message. Here's Pastor Steve. I'd like you to keep your place in 2 Corinthians. Let's go back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. Now, in Matthew, chapter 3, we read about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his whole ministry was a ministry of proclaiming repentance. The kingdom of God, he said, is here, and you must, he called the nation to repent. Uh, the baptism that he did was not uh, believer's baptism. Believer's baptism, what every Christian should, should do to confess before men that they've come to faith in Christ. But John's baptism was a baptism saying, in essence, I have repented of my sin. I've turned from my sin. I am awaiting the coming of the king and the ushering in of the kingdom. And he says in verses 1 and 2, it says in, in Matthew, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Here was his message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not particularly difficult to understand. And you know what? Many Israelites repented. Verse 5, Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Now watch this, verse 8. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those would be uh, some Jewish religious leaders from two sects, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, coming for baptism. Here's what John said. He said to them, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, John recognized that they were not repentant. They did not have repentant hearts. And that's why he says in verse 8, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What he's saying to them is, you religious hypocrites, 
You think because of social and religious pressure that you're going to be baptized by me? I'll not have a part of that absolute hypocrisy because you do not bear the fruit of repentance. The fruit of repentance mean, means that, that if, there's no, if there's genuine repentance, it will always manifest itself in righteous behavior. And John knew that they didn't have that. A person who says, I will repent, does something about it. If you're, if you're estranged to someone, true repentance is demonstrated in that you get that straightened out with them. There always is the godly manifestation that comes from true repentance. And you know why? Paul tells us, as, he, as we look at verse 9, Paul clarifies, he explains, verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 7, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. And here's the explanation. Here's why it had to come. For you were made sorrowful, watch this, according to the will of God. Literally, in the Greek, it means according to God. But the thought here is according to the will of God. It's of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. Made sorrowful according to the will of God means that God is the one who works in our hearts and brings us this sorrow, this grief for our sin that leads to repentance. It means that it is God's will. It is always God's will that believers repent of their sin. God is the one who grants it. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, Paul speaks about that, that the servant of the Lord, he says, must not be argumentative. He must be gentle. So he deals with people as God perhaps will grant that person repentance. It's God who grants it. It's God's will that believers repent of their sin. But, but someone may say, but why? Why is that so important? When you know Christ, why, why, why do you have to walk such a straight, narrow path? Why does God really care whether we repent or not? After all, we're saved. We're saved forever. Why is it so important? Notice the last phrase of verse 9. So that, here's his explanation. Here's the reason. So that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. What loss is Paul referring to? He's referring to some loss. If you don't repent, there's something you lose. Well, we know that he can't be talking about salvation because the rest of the word of God tells us that our salvation is permanent. It's forever. It's eternal. So he can't be talking about loss of salvation. You know what he is talking about? He's talking about the, to, to lose the richness of the Christian life. It's the loss of the richness of a life of obedience to Christ. It's the loss of the joy of fellowship with Christ. It's the loss of, of complete and full fellowship with, with the Lord and with others. That's the loss he's referring to. And, and notice, this is helpful, notice the last two words of this phrase. He says, through us. It's not just that you suffer loss. It's, it's what would come through us, meaning that if the Corinthians turned away from Paul, and the us means other godly teachers, they would be losing out on all that Paul's teaching had to offer them. They'd be forfeiting that. If they rejected Paul, then they would miss out on knowing so much about Christ that Paul could teach them. So much. And it may very well be that in Paul's mind, not only is he referring to the loss in this life, but he may very well be thinking of the loss of spiritual rewards in the future. We've already taught about that from 2 Corinthians 5, that when we, we die, we, as believers, we stand before the Lord at the uh, Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and that's, a, that's a, a place where rewards will be handed out. And those rewards are based on our service and living for Christ. 
you can lose your rewards. In fact, um, the, same, the very same language Paul uses here about loss, he, he used in 1 Corinthians 3. He said in 1 Corinthians 3.15, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He'll suffer loss of rewards, he means. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. We're not saved by our works, but you would lose rewards. So when we put this all together, it appears that the loss that Paul is thinking of involves the future rewards when we die, as well as all the losses involved in this life due to our sin. As I said, the the loss of full joy in walking with God, the loss of fellowship with the Lord and with with others, other believers, the loss of experiencing the fullness of the Spirit as we obey God's Word. And that's what he's talking about. There is a loss there. And the point that the apostle is making is that the sorrow that he has caused the Corinthians through his painfully convicting letter, it didn't damage them. Not at all. It benefited them. It was for their good. Beneficial for them because why? It led them to repent of their sin and it kept them from suffering any spiritual loss. Paul loved these people. That's why he confronted them. That's why I'm saying if you really love people, you've got to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to help prevent them from the loss of walking with the Lord and even spiritual rewards. You know, it's like, it's, it's really what the writer to the Hebrews is saying in chapter 12 when he speaks about discipline. He tells us that, that God is a father who chastises his own children. He doesn't take delight in hurting us, but he does take delight in producing godliness through that. And in verses 10 and 11, listen to this. For they, meaning earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to, to them. But he, meaning God, his father, disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Did you get that? He disciplines us so that we would be more like Christ in character. And then he clarifies this. He expands on it. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. That is a real understatement. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. That's absolutely true. Nobody enjoys discipline. Yet to those who have been trained by it, to those who experience it, experience it as God deals with us, afterwards, watch this, afterwards it yields, he says, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's the fruit of repentance. It's what, it's what the Bible is referring to. It's what Paul's referring to. It's what John the Baptist was referring to. It's the fruits of repentance. So, so very important. Don't ever be afraid of confronting a fellow believer with their sin as if you're harming them. You're not harming them. The truth is that you're keeping them from spiritual harm. When they repent of their sin, you, you're actually saving them, saving them from, from losing the blessings available to them in Christ. And Paul expands on this in verse 10. This is a critical verse. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Did you get that? Paul makes a contrast here between two types of sorrow. There is that sorrow that comes from from God's conviction of our sin, and it produces, it, it, it yields or it leads to repentance in which we have no regrets. Now, what does he mean by that? You have no, no regrets. In other words, those who repent of their sin do not look back and say, well, I'm really sorry I did that. I wish I were still living like that. I really enjoyed that way of life. 
And I, I regret that I actually repented. I rather enjoyed it. Paul said that those who repent, when God really brings sorrow over their sin, they do not have regrets. Why? Notice he says, because it leads to salvation. That word leads has been supplied by our translators to make this smoother. It, it simply means it, it, to salvation, meaning that, that repentance belongs to the realm of salvation. Very important to understand. It belongs to the realm of salvation, whether it, it is initial salvation that leads someone to faith in Christ and the forgiveness of their sins, or it being the proof of our salvation, as we constantly become aware of our sin as believers, and we confess it, and that confession is turning from our sin. Let me put it this way. What Paul is teaching is this. No one who repents ever, ever regrets it, because repentance leads them to Christ for initial forgiveness and to ongoing cleansing from sin. And no true believer says, well, I'm really sorry I did this. I really regret it. I'd like to go back to that old way of life. Never, never. If someone has that attitude, they are not a Christian. But there is another type of sorrow. There is another type of sorrow that doesn't lead to repentance, and it doesn't lead to salvation. You should know this because it is, it is my strong conviction that there are many uh, American Christians who think that they're saved, and they are not because they have never repented. They have never repented. Paul calls this the sorrow of the world or, or worldly sorrow. There is, there is a sorrow the world has. He says that it produces death. It does not produce repentance. It does not produce or lead to salvation. Human sorrow that doesn't cause us to grieve over our sin and lead us to repentance and faith in Christ eventually leads to eternal death. That's what, this, what he means by this. There is no redemptive quality in sorrow unless it brings about repentance. Uh, sorrow uh, may give us a release emotionally, and that's helpful, but there's no redemptive quality. There's nothing spiritually helpful about it if it doesn't lead us to repentance. Now think about those who are without Christ and the sorrow that they experience. Think of your non-Christian friends. What is the benefit of their sorrow? Apart from emotional release, there's none. There's no benefit. Where does it lead? That sorrow leads to such things as despair, depression, self-pity. Woe is me. Look what I'm going through. Join my party. Bitterness, frustration, hopelessness. That's what it leads to. And folks, you want to make sure that you've really repented of your sin. I, I really believe that there are many Americans who have grown up in churches and think that they're saved because they uh, heard about Christ dying for them. They walked an aisle at the end of a church service. They prayed a prayer, something like this, Jesus, come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. Amen. Thank you for coming in. And that's it. And then they went on their merry way. There's been no change in their life. They, they did not really think about their sin apart from the fact that if they prayed the, the prayer and said those words, they'd have a free ticket to heaven. And the proof that they are not saved is that in their lives, they don't repent about their sin. That's why John says in 1 John that no true believer, we've, we know that we've come to know him because we do not continue in our sin. 
Now, yes, certainly he's not talking about perfection. We all sin. We sin a lot. We struggle with our sin. But true believers do not continuously sin. It is broken up by repentance. That's the point of that verse. It's broken up by repentance. That You cannot continue uh, in sin without repentance because repentance is the proof of salvation. It's one of the proofs of genuine salvation. This, this is why I'm going to talk more about this next week because this, in my judgment, is at the heart of, of what should not even be a debate, and it's only a debate in American uh, Christian circles, the lordship debate. Nobody else outside of the United States, no other Christians, trust me on this, they're, they're not debating this issue. But the issue comes down to, does God call us to repent? Or is, or is salvation simply uh, sort of like intellectual knowledge that Christ died for you, you say a prayer and it's okay? And if it is repentance, what, is, what does repentance mean? There are some who say it simply means a change of mind, and that's it. No, it does not mean that. As I told you before, Judas changed his mind. He didn't repent. Repentance involves a forsaking of sin, always a forsaking of sin. So don't deceive yourself thinking that you're a Christian if, number one, you, you've never grieved over your sin to the point of, of hating it and wanting to, to turn from it and turning to God for salvation. Number two, don't think that you're a, a Christian if in your life there's no ongoing repentance. Repentance ought to be taking place all the time. If, if you say, well, when I was a child, I prayed to receive Christ, and, you know, 20 years have passed, and there's nothing happening in your life, believe me, you have not come to know the Lord. I think it's just very, very important. I think maybe the best way to illustrate the difference between godly sorrow that leads to repentance and worldly sorrow that leads to death is to consider two Bible characters. Already mentioned one of them, and that's Judas. But the other one is Peter. Judas was an unregenerate man. Jesus reached out to him, but Judas Iscariot was an unsaved man who associated himself with Christ and with the apostles. Like, like many who can be even in our church, in other churches, where the gospel is preached and they associate with Christians. But he was not a true believer. And Judas, because he was an unregenerate man, did what unregenerate people do. He sinned and he did the worst thing that, that anyone has ever done. He betrayed the Lord. Nothing's worse than that. He betrayed the Lord. He didn't have to do that. It wasn't that Satan forced him to do that. He wanted to do that. And the Lord let him do it. And you know what? He did feel horrible about it later. For 30 pieces of silver, which eventually threw away, he felt horrible remorse, but he never repented. And where did it lead him? It led him to hopeless despair, and he took his own life. Sort of an illustration of what Paul is saying here. It, 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 there's a sorrow of the world that produces death. Certainly in Judah's case, produced physical death. But then there's Peter. Peter who blew it so often, Peter who got his, his foot in his mouth so often, Peter who said things like, Lord, we understand. And you read the Gospels and you wonder, what did he understand? This man didn't understand anything. And yet Peter was always very confident, Lord, I'll do this for you, I'll, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, you will deny me. And Peter did deny the Lord Jesus. And you know what? He felt horrible about it. The Bible says he wept bitterly over his sin. But he repented. He repented. And he was restored to great usefulness. The, the difference, folks, is this. Believers have sorrow over how their sin was wrong and that it, it offended a holy God. 
It isn't that you just feel bad because it hurt other people or it got you fired or it cost you something. It's that you offended a holy God. That's what grieves you. God, who has been so gracious to you, has been grieved by your sin. Unbelievers don't feel that way. They feel bad about doing things. They want damage control, but they don't want to turn from their sin. Not at all. Let's bow for prayer. And let's think about this. As th- these are powerful words from 2 Corinthians. And we need to respond. We need to respond as God wants us to. If you find yourself in a depressed state because of a broken relationship with someone and you've caused it, then you go to them and you get things straightened out. You'll never resolve anything unless there is repentance. Don't just tell God you're sorry. You go to that other person. You ask forgiveness from them and you take the steps to get right with them. And that is humbling. And that's good for you. There will never be repentance, though, unless there's sorrow for your sin. You need to feel sorry about it. Don't have a calloused heart. A heart can grow calloused over the years. Don't do that. Let the Lord soften your heart. And if you've never come to Christ, then I I want you to know you need to repent. That was John's message. That was Jesus' message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Many people think that they've accepted Christ, but, but they haven't because they never initially repented of their sin. So it doesn't matter how sparkling the words of your testimony might be. It doesn't matter how faked out other people are. You know in your heart whether you have repented of your sin or not. And the proof that, that you may not be a Christian is that you don't now repent over your sins. You just continue and you're not struggling. We're not talking about genuine believers struggle and repent all the time about their sin and they, they, they fail so often. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the hard attitude of someone who says, I'm doing this and I'm going to continue doing it. And it's not a struggle, and I'm not giving it up. If that's your attitude, you are not a believer. And I would be less than honest and not a good minister of Jesus Christ if I didn't tell you that you need to repent, turn from your sin, and turn to God and trust Christ that he died in your place. Father, thank you for addressing this need, this issue in our lives I realize, Lord, there are many churches that don't preach repentance, and yet it's all through Scripture, and we want to be true to the Word of God. And I don't know how, Lord, anyone can, can get around what this passage is teaching. I, I pray for those, Lord, who may not know you, may think that they know you, but I pray that they would not, be, they would not deceive themselves. They would recognize that the issue boils down to repentance and faith, and faith is more than mere intellectual agreement with some facts. I pray that there would be, even as, even as Paul's word pricked the conscience of the Corinthians, may those in our congregation who, who may not know Christ have their conscience pricked. And for those who, who do know you, Lord, I pray that they would indeed give evidence, wonderful evidence of true repentance, especially in this area of being reconciled to others. Lord, I pray that you would move in our lives, that there's something we need to repent of. I pray you would show us this, and I pray you, as we know you will, always give the grace to do what's right, even if it's humbling. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The right kind of sorrow or regret over sin leads to repentance. 
and true repentance leads to forgiveness. This is the pattern of the Word of God that is expected of us. A lot of people are running around thinking that they have been forgiven because they repeated a prayer or went forward in church. We desperately need to get back to what the Bible says. Today's broadcast of Verse by Verse is available for download at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can find nearly all of our broadcasts posted there at no charge. Download as many as you like. There are lots of other resources available, too. Think about signing up for the Verse by Verse newsletter. You can sign up online to receive it, or just give us a call and request it by phone. The number to call to order the newsletter is 727-239-0306. Once again, the web address is versebyverseradio.org. Finally, we would like to thank those of you who are partnering together with Verse by Verse through your prayers and financial gifts. Most of our resources are available free of charge. Our goal is to provide biblical instruction and spiritual encouragement to as many people as we can. Partners like you let us do that. We really thank you for your help. That's all for today. This is Jerry Pruden asking you to tune in next time on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by W262CP. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.